All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got a very special guest today. We've got two-time Super Bowl champion, Washington football team legend, member of the Washington football team, Ring of Fame, first, former first-time All-Pro, first-time Pro Bowler, ladies and gentlemen, the Secretary of Defense, Mr. Dexter Manley. Dexter, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Zach. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking time. So my first thought is, what are your thoughts on this year's D-line? Well, I, I think they're going to be very effective. They weren't too effective yesterday, but I think uh, during the course of the year, they're going to get better. They're going to work together. I think they're going to be a relentless group too, by the way. So you, you're, you, you're, you're sold on Chase Young thus far? Thus far, yes. Yeah, he's <laughs> young. He's gonna, you know, this is first year. I think he's going to develop into a fine football player. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask you a little about your early on career. So I know you grew up in Houston. How did you end up at Oklahoma State? Well, I tell you, Zach, uh, that was a coach named Wayne McDuffie was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. And he came to recruit me. He came to watch me play in high school. And uh, Matt, let me back up. He was watching another teammate of mine. He was a quarterback. The guy was fantastic. He was 6'4", about 215, can run like a deer. He threw the football like Terry Bradshaw. And, uh, he, you know, so when you scout, you scout, you see someone else. So he saw me, and uh, from that point on, when I was a junior, uh, Libby, what is that? What's that, Zach? Oh, nothing. You're good. Oh, okay. So, so um, but I became a senior, then he started recruiting me, and his name was Wayne McDuffie, and uh, Jim Stanley was the head coach at the time at Oklahoma State, and uh, uh, they both came to recruit me, and and Jim Stanley bought Bump Phillips over. Bump Phillips, wow. Bump Phillips played at Tech, at, uh, Bump Phillips played at, uh, uh, no, they all played for Paul Bear Bryant at Texas A&M. And so they all, you know, all these guys, coaches, you know, they know each other and the players, they work together. And he brought Bump Phillips over and I was at a banquet. And, and from that point on, once I saw Bump Phillips and I was a high school player, he came to talk to me. I was sold on Oklahoma State because Bump Phillips say, uh, he said somebody, like, you can play in the National Football League now. And I tell you what, that did a lot for my confidence and just the fact that I hear, I, you hear that from an NFL coach mean the world to a young guy like myself. What was your first experience going to the campus for the first time? In, at Oklahoma State? Yeah. Well, uh, I wasn't nervous because I love football and I love the challenge. I remember when we first got started, we went uh, – it was, we used to do three days, wow. and I was an all that was an all American football player named Terry Miller. Terry Miller, and, and uh, uh, I was on defense; he was on offense, and I went and hit him. I went and made the tackle, and and I could tell the head coach he loved it. The my position coach, uh, I forgot that guy's name was Kathy something Kathy. J he had a, his name was Jones, and uh, uh, they liked my effort. They liked my tenacity. That was just in practice. And so, but we, one of the games we played my freshman year, 
and we were playing Florida State. I was sitting on the bench, and you don't get this too often. You don't get the head coach come off the sidelines. He came on the bench and grabbed me off the bench and said, threw me in the game. He put, <laughs> he put me in the game. He put me in the game at nose tackle. Really? Yeah, at nose tackle. And uh, I went and had two sacks, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, I made him proud. I was proud. 60,000 people, they jumped on their feet. They were ruined. <laughs> and I, I was starting that nose tackle my freshman year. Wow. And that's history, and that's the way it was. And it was a great feeling that I had the head coach come off the sidelines. I was sitting on the bench and threw me in the football game. I've been starting ever since. That's awesome. So I have a question. So aside from football, so I want to talk about academics. So okay. um, how did you manage for four years with below college standard reading levels? Good question. Well, I grew, you know, I'm from the South. I grew up in church. And uh, um, uh, I was respectful, and I tell you, I was a very good kid, and I went to class a lot. I never skipped school, and when I was at Oklahoma State, I always went to my classes, and I always sit on the first three rows. And and, and uh, I think even the systems, all they never changed, but when I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, I always went to class. And and when I was at Oklahoma State, the same thing. And sometimes they give me a passing grade just for showing up. Really? And knowing that I was a football player. Yeah. So so they all work hand in hand. They work with the yeah. the, the Oklahoma State coaching staff, and you got the the uh, professors. Uh, that's a small college football town. They've been around since the '30s, and you know they have a great tradition. So they want to see young guys coming in and do well. And most of the time, it was just uh, uh, passing me on attendance. Wow. That's well. And so I saw that you said, you said initially your coach said you can make in the NFL. When did the NFL come to you and say, hey, like, you're going to be drafted? Well, uh, that was in like 1981. Uh, it was in the spring. And I started traveling on the combine. Combine. And, uh, uh, at this time, I had to come by, you know, you go all over the place. We was in different parts of the country. And, and uh, I, my first, one of my first trip was uh, Kansas City. I went to Kansas City. I went to Dallas. went to the New York Jets. I uh, went to Tampa, Florida. And that's where I had a personal contact with the GM and assistant GM. And that was with the Washington Redskins. Bobby Bessett and another guy, Dick Allman. Uh they, they called me out the room and they took me to their room and we sit down and talked and they said they wanted to draft me. And uh, uh, so they drafted me in the fifth round, 1981, at Oklahoma State University. Did, were you surprised you lasted that long? Uh, was I surprised? Yeah, that you slipped to the fifth. Uh, I was very surprised because I thought, you know, you have the uh, agents and people telling you, I always had good numbers, meaning that at the combine you do drills and you bench press and all this kind. I was always at the top. I wasn't top one, top. I was always in the top three. And so when the draft came around, uh, 
because of what happened at Oklahoma State, went on probation. I was implemented in, in part of the wrongdoings at Oklahoma State. And, and so I think that's what affected me. Uh, they started looking at my character. And so I, I dropped to the fifth round, but uh, I, I don't have any regrets. It just made me that much more hungry. Yeah. What was your first experience like meeting Joe Gibbs? First time I met Joe Gibbs was in training camp. It was he was a rookie, just like I was. I wasn't even a rookie yet, but I was a draftee, and, and uh, I just know that he had a demeanor about himself that uh, uh, he was well liked. He was personable. He'd come talk with you. Uh, I, we had the three day mini camp, and I did outstanding in the mini camp. Same thing they do at the combine. The Redskins had that uh, at their facility because they got to know what they're drafting. And so, I, you know, in my humble opinion, I was sensational. <laughs> and uh, after that, Joe Gibbs called me in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And I never forget. I think I told him I was thinking about going to Canada because I'm trying, I'm learning bargaining skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm going to Canada. And so he said something about give him a shot or something. I say, I don't know how that conversation was, but I do remember telling him I'm going to Canada. But I never had any tickets on going to Canada. And, and so Joe Gibb was a fair guy. Uh, uh, that's what I liked about it. He was personable, and we had a nice conversation. Who is the hardest quarterback for you to, set, to sack in your whole career? In my whole career, I'll have to say very elusive. Uh, I'm going to say Randall Cunningham and, and John Elway. Interesting. The rest of these guys, they just like elephants. They just sit in the hole, and, and they're like sitting ducks. Yeah. So I, I have to say, Elway and Randall Cunningham. What, what was your was the Philly the Philly fans were they as outrageous back then as they are now? Oh, uh, they was probably even more so because, you know, the league the league has changed a lot. You know, you interact. Uh, the league has changed in a positive way for the fan base. Yeah. But when you know back in the in the in the eighties, uh, uh, they were more rambunctious. They could say things. They throw stuff on the field. You know whether it's water, whatever, boiled eggs, rotten eggs, boiled eggs. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Where you getting but that? I just, where you getting? That's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just think that uh, the league has gotten better with the fan base. They have, they have. You don't have fans on the sideline. When I was playing football, wasn't no fans on no sideline unless you worked there. You yeah. worked in the facility. Overall, though, I just think the National Football League have done an outstanding job yeah. uh, interacting with the players and the fans, and yeah, it's like showtime. Yeah. So I have a question. That first Super Bowl year, did did you know the team had something? It was something felt different, or was did you know you 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 didn't think anybody could beat you? Well, i tell you this here. My rookie season, uh, we went uh, – we had a – no, we no, we, we tied. I think we went 7-7 seven and seven, my rookie season. And then the next year, I knew we had something special because we went on strike. All the players stuck together. We worked out at a, a high school in, in Reston. We went to a gym. And, you know, at that time, it's – uh, I think 40-something man roster, 45, 46. And out of those 46, you may have 
42, 43 guys showing up. And we stuck together. That's because of Joe Gibbs was insisting on we stick together. And you had great leadership when the people like the John Riggins, the Joe Thiessen, the Rick Walkers, Joe Washington, uh, 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 Tony McGee, Perry Brooks, uh, on and on. And uh, we stuck together as a team. And we just knew we had something special because uh, we went on strike. I think we was... Uh, uh, I think we was half uh, at 500, 500. And after we came, after the strike was over, we stuck together and, and we were a good football team, but then we got better because, because we kept uh, practicing together at a high school. So we kind of learned each other's tendencies. And, and I just think that we were a talented football team at the time. Interesting. And then, so was was there any jitters like going into that Super Bowl, or were you guys relatively confident? Well, I think I tell you what, uh, going into the NFC Championship against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I think on a large scale, the fan base probably wanted to see the uh, Dallas Cowboys and probably the New York Jets. No, no, yeah, the Jets because. They had ran up. We we were the top scoring team in the league. You now we scored like 500, 540 some points. Wow. But but uh, uh, I just thought the Miami Dolphins was the killer bees, and they got a lot of attention, national attention. So I, I think what they wanted to see the Cowboys and probably the Miami Dolphins, and I think the players intuitive kind of felt like that was disrespect to the Redskins and. So we all, a lot of guys probably had a grudge that uh, they didn't give us a, a chance. Like going in that championship game against the Cowboys, nobody ever picked us. Really? Uh, we was picked to win the Super Bowl, but some of the pundits didn't give us a whole lot of respect, and, and we just took care of business on that day. So it kind of gave you like a chip on your shoulder, like, all right, if they don't think we're going to win, we're going to show them otherwise. That's right. Who did you, were you – how old were you at that time we went to the – I wasn't – I wasn't born yet. No, this is before my time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. how old are you now? I'm. I just turned twenty-five. Oh wow, you're a young guy. Yeah, so I, I'm no, waiting for. I'm, I'm waiting to get back to the playoffs. So hopefully, hopefully okay. soon. <laughs> okay. All yeah. Right. So so um so then going into the second, do you think the second one was a little bit easier since you had been there before the second Super Bowl? That's a good question. I think we had more experience. We've been there before. We know we know the uh, what the itinerary going to look like, and I just think that um, we had already beaten the Raiders in the regular season, and and not that we not that we didn't beat them at will, but it was a good yeah 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 hold on yeah yeah and so um uh. We were 11 point. We was 11 and a half points uh, in favor to beat the, the uh, Raiders, and, and uh, they were a good football team, especially on defense. And they had all the good pieces. They have all of the good pieces in place to be a a, a good football team. Obviously, they were, uh, but I think we were confident. You know, we were confident. We beat them in the regular season, and. Uh, uh, but they beat us on that Super Bowl day. 
So I want to ask you, since it just happened, how do you feel about Kerrigan uh, going up on your record? Oh, I think all records are probably going to eventually get broken. It could happen to a nicer guy. He's a, he's a good football player. Uh, he have missed the game in eight or nine years. And if you play, if you like Iron Man, you play nine years straight and you don't miss a football game, you're going to increase your numbers. Absolutely. So I want to ask you, what was it like the Pro Bowl All-Pro year? What, what was clicking for you? Do you think you just felt like nobody could stop you? Well, i tell you. Uh, that year, I sit out. I sit out of training camp. <sighs> oh, excuse me. I sit, I, I sit out, and I, I trained in Houston. I came back here. I was training at George Mason. I was holding out. Uh, Redskins kept telling me what they're going to pay me. I said, this is what you're going to pay me if you want me to show up. Uh, and so uh, I just think I had great training. I just took care of myself, and I was ready to play. Interesting. And, and uh, we made a deal, and I showed up right before kickoff time. Really interesting. Was the Pro Bowl Hawaii that year? The Pro Bowl was in Hawaii. That's, that's pretty nice, too. So so, yeah, so I have a question. So I don't see him now. I don't see him. Is, is it? Yeah. Oh, here we go. You good? Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so it's, what, back. it's back, Lydia. Hold on. Hold on. My producer. Can you see you? Yeah. Can you see me? I can see you. Yeah. Can you see me all right? Nope. It's all gone now. You can hit this. Hit this button. Yeah. Right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hold on, uh, Zach. No yeah, you see me now? Yep. Okay. Yeah, my producer, uh, which is my wife, Lydia, <laughs> uh, she's kind of a rookie, but she's an excellent producer. That's all good. Now, I was, I was interviewing, <laughs> I interviewed a John Hanna a couple weeks ago, and he had never used Zoom before. So that I had to teach him how to use Zoom. It was. It's a, who is this you, who is this you uh, interviewed last uh, week? A couple weeks ago, John Hanna from the Patriots. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. a good football player. Yeah. Now he's doing um cattle. He's he's up with cattle now. He's like down. In, he's down yeah. south. Nice guy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I want to ask you, how cool was it when you found out that you were going to be added to the Washington Football Team's Ring of Fame? Well, uh, I thought it was well deserved, and I was excited. My kids was more excited than I was. <laughs> I have three. Uh, I have three children. And uh, they were real excited to see their father's name go up in the ring of honor. And the lawyer that was with me, I, she, we and her and I have been together since 1983. And uh, I thought Dan Snyder did an outstanding job. He flew my, all of my whole entourage up here. Oh, wow. I had about six, seven people uh, fly up here uh, in 2002. And uh, I thought it was well-deserved. Absolutely. So I have another question for you. So you came forward years later about being functionally illiterate. And I give you a lot of credit for doing that. What, what made you decide to come forward? Because you could have gone on and nobody could have known. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, what, uh, what, what happened was, uh, you know, it, was, it, it, it just happened all of a sudden on November November uh, 18th, 1985, Monday night, we was playing the New York Giants. And Lawrence Teller hit Joe Theismann, and that's when he had the bad break of his leg. And I stood on that sideline, and I had so much fear that one day that could happen to me. And then what am I going to do? 
what am I going to fall back on? And all this time, I sort of been like Boy George, uh, disguising myself as if I can read. I used to have a hard time with the plays, the football plays here. And, and uh, so I, when I saw that with Joe Thurston, I just felt like I was compelled to come forth because I didn't want to be like some of the guys that I played with at Oklahoma State that uh, who didn't uh, reach, their, reach their full potential. And so uh, I think that was the main catalyst. Then I had young kids uh, that probably going to need my assistance, you know, whether it's medication. I had a fear that one day I might not pass the right medication out to them. And I just made the decision after I saw Joe Thyssen go down, I'm going to get some help. How did you end up at the Washington Lab School? I actually know somebody went to the Baltimore Lab School. Yeah. Well, I got to the Washington Lab School is that uh, my wife named Glenda told her mother that I had a learning problem. And she lives in Chicago. And I'm under the impression that uh, Glenda's mother, that was an article in the Chicago Times, attributed one of those two papers, and said that was a, uh, a school for adult illiteracy here in Washington. So she passed information over to Glenda. And, and when I, I went there like in uh, December when the season was over and uh, it did me a world of good. I, when I went there, I was, and I went there, I was on a second grade reading level and I, and I was 26 years old. And then I said in about four years, I could read the Washington Post paper. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. Saw, you, I saw you went at night, too. Is it like, like, kind of like a night school kind of thing? I, yeah. At first, I was going during the day, uh, maybe three or four hours. Then they transferred me to night school because I was disruptive uh, going to going to, in the daytime because young yeah. kids kind of knew who I was, whether uh, and they all come to the classroom, want autographs. It, <laughs> it, it was funny. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you, so I know you, you, you had COVID. So I want to ask you, how was that? Because I know everybody's worried. We're really worried about you, but you're doing a lot better now. What was that like for people that yeah. aren't taking it seriously? Yeah, well, I think people should take COVID serious because uh, I had it just by grace. I'm alive. I'm able to talk with you. Uh, uh, I survived it. I had good doctors at Georgetown, and uh, that's how I survived. And, you know, and I work out a lot. So I think because of that, I, I, I guess uh, I was in decent shape, enough shape to survive. Some people didn't make it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten a lot of people, and I'm hoping people are trying to take it more seriously now because it's real. Yeah. It's, it's real. And I want to ask you a little bit about the, the foundation a little bit. I don't know if, if, if uh, you want to bring Liddy in, and I'm going to talk to Todd a little bit later if you guys want to talk about just like the kind of what the thought you put into it and just a little stuff you guys have been doing. Okay, well, the foundation – is that one day we were sitting around here, Liddy and I, and she thought about, hey, we should have a foundation for Dexter Lydia's illiteracy, overcoming illiteracy. Everyone have a right to defend and to be uh, at a certain level uh, uh, that they can overcome obstacles. And so Liddy came up with the idea. We got a foundation, and she started the process. She reached out to Todd and other people, and her and Todd got together, and they made a foundation. And I think it's it's an outstanding thing Absolutely. that that Lydia and Todd has put together, because everybody needs to learn how to read how to read and write. Absolutely. And so, 
yeah, uh, uh, my world has changed. You know, I've, I walked around for about 20 some years looking at my shoelaces. I don't have to look at my shoelaces anymore. I can read the Washington Post. I can read anything I need to read now. I still need a little help, and my wife helps me from time to time. Of course. So, yeah. but I think talking with Todd and Lydia, uh, I think they'll give you more of an insight about the foundation and uh, what we're going to do and how we're going to help young people. Absolutely. Well, that's that's really all the questions I really had for you. I just wanted to thank you again for chatting for a little while. I'm glad you're doing well. Glad uh, Washington's doing better, but this has been a blast. I just want to thank you again for chatting. Hey, let me ask you a question. Are you a Cowboy or a Redskin fan? Or, or Washington, Washington fan? Washington football, I can't stand the Cowboys, and I'm glad every year they're like, the Cowboys are going to be so good. I'm like, all right, we'll see you in December. And past a couple Decembers, hasn't gone too well. So, I got yeah. to, All right. Hey, nice talking with you. And reach out to Todd and Lydia on the foundation. Absolutely. This has been a lot of fun. I want to thank you again. All right. I want to follow up on, we just talked to Dexter Manley. I want to bring in Todd Hebner from the Dexter and Lydia Manley Foundation. He's the chairman. Todd, so I want to talk, talk a little bit about more like kind of the mission statement of what you guys are doing and some of the great work you guys are doing in the area. Great. Thanks, Zach. I appreciate it. So um, probably about a year ago, uh, Dexter and I got together and we're discussing, you know, what, what could we do to help give back to the community. And we all know how important literacy is and yeah. arguably it could be the number one issue the Washington DC um, youth are dealing with today. So after a couple hours and of course consulting Lydia, uh, Dexter and I decided that we would tackle a literacy in DC and do, put all of our funds initially into that um, uh, commitment to that organization or to that, uh, hold on Zach, uh, to that cause. So as we researched and then as we talked around, we came up with an organization called Reach Incorporated, which deals with four Southeast high schools helping um, youth read. And what they do is they have students teaching students. So ha they have the seventh and eighth grade students teaching the second and third grade. So it only, um, they get compensated for it. And it only, not only helps the youth the second and third graders, but it also helps the seventh and eighth graders with their reading. So it's really been a great organization. Mark Hecker is the CEO of Reach. Uh, Lori Lipstein, who's a woman on the board of the Dexter Manley Foundation, is also on the board of Reach as well as our board. So it's just been a perfect match. It all's really come together nicely for us. And then so how have you guys been handling with, with COVID doing everything virtually? Has it been an issue? Yeah, that's a great question, Zach. It has been an issue. Um, you know, we've been able to do just two events so far, which um, we did both virtually, okay. and they both were successful. We did one with a uh, podcast similar to what you're doing today, and the other we're doing a Q&A uh, at the end of this month with uh, John Riggins and Dexter. I'll be, I'll be there. Sign me up. I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, that'll be the offense against the defense. Yeah. Uh, John and Dexter are lifelong buddies, as we know, and so he um, agreed to let us – um, get with him and have the two of those guys go at it. So we'll keep you informed on when that is. Awesome. Uh, all of our information for our events and everything is on the DexterManlyFoundation.org we website. So DexterManlyFoundation.org, and that'll have a list of our events and everything we need. That's, a, that's a one more question for you. So how, how big is the issue of literacy in D.C.? Because it's not really talked about that much. Yeah, you know, it's, it, Zach, when I first started, I didn't realize it was as big of an issue as it is. But Mark from Reach tells me that 80% of the – um, youth of Washington, D.C. are reading below their grade level. 
So um, it is an issue. And if you ask Mark, he would say it's as big an issue as maybe drug abuse um, and other things of that nature. So it's an issue that definitely needs to be dealt with. Yeah. And then you have somebody like Dexter to come along. It's just probably nothing but success. It's just helping everybody just wants it because he's just a role model. So you you can be, you can be like this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic what you guys are doing. It's great work. Yeah. we're, We're, like I said, we've had two events. We're excited. Uh, Dexter goes to everything, so he's not the absentee. Uh, just put the name on the foundation, and I can't give enough credit to his wife, Lydia. Lydia really stays involved. She takes care of organization, making sure we're all where we need to be. Awesome, awesome. Well, this has been a ton of fun. I'll put all that information in when I post it, and but this has been a blast. I want to thank you again for helping set everything up, and uh, and we can redirect everybody for the event coming up at the end of the month for Dexter, uh, John Reagan's, and be blast. Yep, I appreciate it, Zach. Thanks for your time. Thanks for talking to Dexter and help us spread the word. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it.
time. <laughs>